0: All right, let's take our Bibles tonight, turn to Philippians chapter number two, Philippians chapter number two, and we'll continue our series here in the book of Philippians. Good to see Brother W.L. Smith here tonight as well, and keep praying for him, and Miss Lucy, glad their health is doing better where they can be here. He's in a study, if you didn't know it, in the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 13 today, I think it was, preacher, is that right? Revelation 13 that you sent out appreciate those uh teaching through the word of god and just uh even though now those of you don't know the smiths i'm talking like everybody here would know them and most do but they travel the globe when the world is open the world's closed right now but that doesn't mean the bible's closed it's still open and he's still teaching the word of god and it's getting around by internet so that's a real blessing thank god for brother w.l smith Okay, well let's go to Philippians chapter 2 and we're going to begin in verse number 1. Our text is going to begin in verse number 5 through some of the most well-known uh, verses here in the book of Philippians, a monumental passage really. I mean, this is a mountaintop type passage for sure. And we'll read in verse 5 through 8 is really going to be our text. But let's begin in verse 1 just to try to catch the sense of what Paul is saying here. To, to this church that was having some issues, mind you, they were having some some issues regarding their unity and the Lord's churches ought to, the, well, Southwest Baptist Church and other churches like it ought to be unified. There ought to be peace here among us and, and good harmony. And so let's read about that. He says, if there, if there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bows and mercies, fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded." Having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Verse 3, let nothing be done through strife or vain glory. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Now, if we would practice verse 3 alone. Just verse three alone. Uh, My, how that would um, keep a church healthy or a sick church to get healthy. If we wouldn't do go through strife or vainglory, but if each would esteem other better than themselves. I mean, that helped things at Walmart, too, don't you know? Right. Or in traffic and school. And I mean, government, I mean, there's all kinds of application of this, but the context is local church. All right. Look at verse four. Look, not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of who? Others. Every man also the things of others. Let this mind be in you. What mind? The one he just described. See, verse 3 and 4 is the mind that we're supposed to have and it's found in a certain person. Let this mind, the one he has just described, let it be in you. Let it be in you. That means all of you. It's plural. Second person plural. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Who? Are you ready? Are you ready for this verse? (laughs) These verses? He mentions Jesus Christ. He mentions Christ Jesus, which is really... The central theme of the book of Philippians. I know joy gets a lot of attention, but you won't have joy if Christ is not the center of your attention. So really the central focus of the book of Philippians, the more that I study this, the more that I see it's actually Christ, not joy. Joy is a byproduct of having Christ as center. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. But, notice this sharp contrast here, made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a king. No. It's of a servant. Took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. Well, if that wasn't low enough, look at verse eight. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death. But that's not how far it went. It went even further than that. Not only was it unto death, Even, Paul says, do you notice his emphasis? Even, even the death of the cross. Verse 9, let's go ahead and read through verse 11. Just in case you had a real bad day today, this will help you. Look at verse 9. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth and that every tongue should procl- should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord Amen. to the glory of God the Father. Amen. Now we'll, we'll save a special spot next time we come to Philippians to deal with those verses. God willing, next week we'll have our friend, Brother Aaron Denson, pastor in Lubbock, to preach as part of the opening day. So we'll come back to those verses later, verses 9 through 11. I think, I'm almost sure we'll have enough to deal with in verses 5 through 8. What do you think? Does that sound about right? Okay, here's the message tonight. Here's the title at least. The mind of Christ in today's Christian. The mind of Christ in today's Christian. Don't have a high view of Christ and a low version of Christianity don't have a high view of Christ and a low version of Christianity. Now, we need to think about that. Because I'm telling you, it impacts every one of us here tonight. So may God bless the reading of His Word. We're going to get right to it. Got some ground to cover with the Lord's help. Been avoiding I-44. Probably like a lot of you, all the construction. So I was on the way home. I'm northbound on Portland, just taking 44th Street straight up Portland to I-40, <clears throat> and um, noticed at uh, 15th Street that I saw this uh, truck and trailer. look like it, it was a lawn equipment trailer. Uh, I mean, you know, broke down, out of gas. I don't know what. Just stopped, and uh, and and I kept. You know, I I saw how far it went back. Um, Were you in that traffic, brother? Okay, yeah, so it's a wonder you're in church tonight. So it it was so bad traffic. I mean, it was backed up. I didn't drive this far, but it looked like it went all the way to Reno at least. You know, I got on an I 40, but it was backed up way back there. I mean, it was a mess. Well, here's what I saw I saw a police officer, his his SUV uh, right behind this vehicle that was broken down and i watched this police officer i mean really in a dangerous spot between this gentleman's truck and his trailer pushing to get to get traffic going again i don't know if you saw that or not but he was he was there pushing and and then i saw another a uh, guy that was evidently getting gas, you know, they're on that west side. I'm, I'm on the east side, obviously northbound. And he ran over there and, and you know, then the guy's trying to steer it. And they, they fortunately got it. Well, they, they curbed it pretty bad, but they got it into the gas station. But I thought, man, this is good, you know, because police officers, um, in, in my estimation, are getting a bad rap right now. They don't deserve it. You know, and it's wrong when uh, somebody would abuse their power and abuse their position. But that ought not characterize everybody that wears the badge, you know. And and so by, I saw a man that that could have very easily uh, just felt that he was above helping. But here's what he did. He used his position to be a help. Yeah. He used his position to be a help. It wasn't like he was above helping. Now, some of us here... You know, we would have gave the guy a ticket for slowing down traffic or tased him. I don't know. But, you, you know, come on, let's go. Right? But there he was helping, helping. So we come to Philippians. Here's, here's what we're reading about. The highest coming to be the lowest. He wasn't above it. I want to get into that here in just a, in a little bit. I'm talking about, of course, the Lord Jesus Christ. But what we're supposed to do is not stand idly by, but we're supposed to join in with what the Lord is doing. Uh, Warren Wiersbe said this, others, the word others, is the key word in the vocabulary of today's Christian. Others is the key word. And I think that makes a lot of sense when you think about it. Really, our life ought to be focused on trying to serve the Lord by serving others. How else are you going to serve the Lord but by serving others, right? You got to serve others. So I I just want to, check tonight. Uh, what is our attitude? What's our mindset? What, what is your mindset as you think about others? What's your mindset as you think about others? And in particular, since this is written to the local church, I mean, we, we can apply this to the family. We can apply this to work. We can apply this in many, many areas of life. But since it is applied directly to our church life, then how about we think about it just right here? Is everybody on board with this? How do you think about others that are sitting around you here tonight? Do you love your church family? Do you love your church family? I I enjoyed reading a text uh, in the funeral service from Miss Fay Graham that she sent, and it was during the time when we were shut down, you know, for uh, COVID and not having live services, but live streaming. And she said, "It's not like being there, but I'm thankful for live stream." I love my church family, as she said. And do you love your church family? Well, I trust that you do. Do you love guests that come? Do you serve? Do you love serving in ministries? together. Does anybody get on your nerves here? Okay, I'm not asking for a show of hands or anybody to point out anybody, but does anybody maybe get on your nerves and uh, maybe rub you the wrong way? How are you if somebody gets attention and you don't? We just kind of cut right to the heart here, didn't we? Um, How do you feel about, let me run this by you right quick here. How do you feel about Somewhere between 300 and 400 joining us come Sunday. I'm going to prophesy that we have immediate church growth. <laughs> well, we will, but that's no prophecy. Um, how do you feel about that? How do you feel about these, uh, the sides of the balcony being filled again and maybe even coming over into the center section? How do you feel about that? How do you feel about you know that many students joining us? Uh, for services? How do you, how do you feel about uh, maybe some people that aren't serving? How do you think towards them? What do you think about those that aren't serving? What do you think about those who are serving? What, how do you feel? What do you, what do you, what is your mindset when you feel overlooked? Maybe you've really been given a lot of attention to something and you've really been working hard and nobody's noticing. How do you feel when you feel overlooked? How do you feel when you're misunderstood or not just misrepresented, but maybe even misrepresented? How do you feel then? Well, none of uh, none of us like that, right? But what is your mindset when somebody misunderstands you? Is that can that happen in a church family? It sure can. Could somebody misrepresent you in a church family? It sure can. Absolutely. Um, how? You, what's your mindset if if you're abused? What's your mindset when things get hard and? Um, I think we need to think about it here tonight in terms of our mindset because the church in Philippi, they were having some issues related to this and we don't know all the issues. We just know that two ladies, at least in the church, weren't getting along. But I think that it goes beyond just uh, those two ladies. It was evidently some type of a problem they were beginning at least to have. I mean, just the best time, by the way, to head this stuff off is when it's small or smaller because the church is supposed to be unified. And so... um, They were having some kind of trouble in the midst of them. And Paul cared enough about them to try to write and say, listen, you got to get it together before you tear each other apart here and get along. I I just read maybe like you did um, in the book of Luke, the gospel of Luke chapter nine was in our Bible reading yesterday. And I saw this, that the very first disciples had exactly the same problem that modern day disciples have. They surely did. This first church that Jesus started there, he, listen, he had just explained to them that, that he would suffer. And after he explained to them that he, I mean, in fact, he explained it twice. He explained that he would be betrayed. He explained that he would suffer and that he would be crucified. He explained all that. And the very next verse that you see is the disciples in an argument about which of the disciples was the greatest. Strife and? Vainglory. Well, Jesus, Jesus had to address their mindset. He had to address the way that they were thinking. And so he brought a little child in their midst and told them that that you need to be willing to serve a little child who can't do one thing for you. We need to have a mindset that we don't serve people just for what we get from them, but we serve people just because. Well, then it wasn't long, but that John came and said, Lord, we saw some casting out demons in your name and they're not with us. So we told him to shut that ministry down because they're not in our circle. They had the mindset, they had the mentality that if they're not in our circle, then God can't be using them. Hey, you know, we can have that same mindset today that we, and I'm thankful for what's going on, you know, at Southwest Baptist Church and and what's going on in the family of Heartland Baptist Bible College and all the churches, you know, connected there. But I sure am glad that God's circle is a lot bigger than our circle because there's a lot more to be done than just what we can get done. That's for sure. And we don't need the mindset that, well, if you're not with us, then you must not be very significant or doing very much. No, listen, God, the Lord will blow that mindset to smithereens. Lord, uh, we came to this village of the Samaritans and, and would you know they don't want us to be there? this racial mindset, racism. I mean, it, it truly was. It was back in that day and time, just like it is in ours. And, and so James and John again, I mean, the sons of thunder, they said, you know, I think here's what we ought to do. We ought to reinstate the uh, fire from heaven ministry that Elijah had and just consume them, just whammo. <laughs> and the Lord said, you don't know what spirit you're of. Okay, it's the same idea. You don't understand what frame of mind you're in. We don't zap people. Supposed to love people. Yes, Lord, but. (laughs) Well, that's the mindset that the Lord was dealing with here. There's a danger of disunity. There's a danger of disunity. There can be conflict. From within, and the Lord is dealing with that here in the book of Philippians, and He's wanting them to be of the same mind, one towards another, and showing no partiality, but just, but to be of the same spirit. and And I want to go back to to verses uh, one through four, just very briefly here, and I, I'd like to try to to demonstrate some things here as we get into it. But He's saying, if there be therefore any consolation in Christ, in fact, go back up to chapter one and verse twenty seven. Can you do that right quick? Just look at it. Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. That whether I come and see you or else be absent I may hear of your affairs that you stand fast in what one spirit with what one mind striving how together for the faith of the gospel see if we'll focus on Christ and we'll focus on the gospel then that will keep us unified as a church family striving together not striving against one another Okay? And then he says, if there be therefore any consolation in Christ, and my soul is there, is there consolation in Christ, encouragement in Christ. I mean, listen, we have access to the greatest form of encouragement, the greatest form of love, the greatest form of fellowship, the Spirit of God working in us. So why in the world would any church be short on unity, given what access we have? So I'm thankful today, and I believe we've tapped into that, but if, we're, if we don't pay attention to it, we can sure lose our unity, We can lose it. Strife and vainglory set in. And if this spirit or this attitude is left unchecked, then this church, just like that church, is in for serious trouble. Serious trouble. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, Paul says, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Think of others. Don't get stuck thinking about yourself all the time. Don't get stuck thinking about yourself. Now, listen, we are all naturally selfish, self-centered, self-indulgent, self-oriented, self-reliant. I mean, really, I mean, that is who we really are. We are naturally, I naturally, you naturally think about yourself. But what, we, what we're called on to do in this local church family and outside the walls of this church family as well, of course, is to do this, to think of others. Now, I know that that takes place here at Southwest, but who here would stand and say, Preacher, I think that we, we've got enough of that. No, I don't think so. I think that we can certainly think more of others. Think of others. Look for ways to serve others. And the Spirit of God wants to help us in doing that. He says, look, not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. And so he points to the Lord Jesus Christ as the prime example of this lowly mindset that we are all to have, regardless of what our position is. He says, let this mind, which hearkens back to verse three and four in particular, really all that he's said up to this point, but let this mind be in you. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. So the mindset is not vainglory, not strife, not me first, not you out. <laughs> But rather lowliness of mind, esteeming other better than themselves, not looking just on my own thing, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. Okay, so let this mind, okay, so here's here's the idea here. It means this have the attitude of Christ. Boy, how that would galvanize. Churches across the land. If we had the mindset of Christ, the, the attitude of Christ, the frame of mind that Jesus has, think, in other words, think the way that Jesus thinks. His thoughts ought to fuel the way that we operate as a church family. Operating on his thoughts, not our thoughts. Listen to this, came across this, uh, is rather helpful Greece said, be wise, know thyself. Rome said, be strong, discipline yourself. Religion says, be good, conform yourself. Pleasure seekers say, be sensual, satisfy yourself. Education says, be resourceful, expand yourself. Psychology says, be confident, assert yourself. Materialism says, be possessive, please yourself. Humanism says, be capable, believe in yourself. Pride says, be superior, promote yourself. Jesus says, be unselfish, humble yourself, humble yourself. Now, why does Paul go in into this as he does in verses 5 or 6 and following? I, I want to I submit to you that Paul is not here uh, necessarily trying to give us uh, the theology or the doctrine of, of Christ necessarily, though that certainly is, I mean, it is rich here. It is, it is abundant here. Uh, the the Christology, the study of Christ. I mean, this this is a pinnacle, a set of verses here, but but listen, Paul is not trying to make good theologians out of us. He's trying to help us to be godly Christians. Because there's a lot of people who have a lot of theology, but they don't live basic Christianity. That's right. They could prove the point about the pre-existence of Christ, but their love is nearly non-existent. That's right. In other words, they have a high view of Christ, or we could even say it this way: they have a high Christology, Christology, but a very low Christianity. What we ought to do is have a high Christian—I'm sorry—a high view of Christ. We, we ought to have a high view of Christ because of who He is. And so our view of Christ, in all of his majesty, ought to be matched by our Christianity, our, our way of following him. It ought to be a mirror in that way. Yeah, yeah. But it's, it's dangerous. And there's not one person here who would say, I don't believe Jesus is God, but you might cut somebody off. Or might not let somebody in. Okay, this has gone to meddling now, right? You might not let somebody in, right? Might kind of elbow your way up to the front, but you got a high view of Christ, but you can have a low version of Christianity. Okay, so let's look at the view of Christ that Paul had, because it it divides into two different parts. You have his view of Christ, basically this, the doctrine that he is indeed God, and that he did not surrender his deity when he became man. In no way did he in any wise relinquish his deity. He was fully God and fully man. Okay? So he, you have his deity, but then also you have his humanity in, in the same place. So it says here, who, watch this now, who being in the form. Okay, let's start with the word being there. Who being, okay, the idea of being there, do you know what that means? That means he always has been. So what this says is that he preexisted Bethlehem, which points to his deity, who being, how far back you want to go? We'll go as far back as your brain and my brain could go as far back as you can. There he is, who he is, who he always has been, eternally the Son of God. There's not a, there never has been a time when he was not the Son of God. He did not become the Son of God. He always has been the Son of God, who being in the form of God. Who being in his very essence, the idea of form there doesn't mean uh, something weird. It just means this. He's equal to who God is. Okay. Um, So let me give the definition of that because I don't want to get in too much of a hurry here. Worked hard on these notes. I might as well use them, right? (laughs) He's in the highest position. Before I move on, let 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 me say this. We tend to think too highly of ourselves. We do, don't we? We tend to think too highly of ourselves. I remember uh, seeing a certain um, NBA player at uh, Dunkin' Donuts, uh, Andrew Bynum, way back, and uh, Tyler said, "Dad, there's there's uh, Andrew Bynum," and and I noticed he was rather tall because he had to duck to get in the door at Dunkin' Donuts. They're in town to play the Thunder. Well, Tyler, I mean, he was like nine, and he went up, you know, with napkin to say, "Hey, could you sign my napkin?" And he he had his headphones on, and he did it like that. I thought, man, that's wrong. He's nine. They lost that next that game. I was so glad. I maybe <laughs> ate too many donuts. I don't know, but, anyways, ironically, he got in a Thunder cab to leave from the place. So I thought that was awesome too. But. He thought he's too good. Too good. Some of you heard me tell this story, but we got to meet Jake Westbrook. Jake Westbrook pitched game six of the Cardinals World Series in 2011. I'm going to try not to get off track here, but but, uh, he... He was signing, I think it was Trenton, had a, had a pin that he brought from the hotel. He's signing, you know, to a card or a baseball or something like that before the game in Atlanta. And he looked at the pin and it was from, you know, the hotel and he looked at Trenton who was at the age maybe of two or three and he said, did you steal this from the hotel? And Trenton's eyes got real big, you know. And he was just like having a good time with him. Well, here's this World Series player that has taken time for a two or three year old. I love it. It's awesome. Not too good. We tend to think too highly of ourselves. And another thing I'll tell you that we tend to do, we tend to think too much of ourselves. Too much. Too quickly of ourselves. Well, here it says that Jesus being in the form of God. In fact, I, I had a, a professor that just came for uh, about a week's module and he said this. Jesus is fully God and fully man. This divine person without ceasing to be God united a human nature without sin. That's very important. He united a human nature without sin to his divine nature becoming one person with two natures, human and divine or human and deity. These natures, listen to this, these natures cannot be separated, but they can and must be distinguished. Like a paper clip, he said, welded onto a steel bar. Take that paper clip that's rather flimsy, but you weld it to a steel bar and you can distinguish between the two that paperclip is not going anywhere when it's welded to do that still bar. Do you get it? Our flimsy humanity in Jesus without sin. Now, I want to make that very clear distinction because that's exactly what Paul is saying. In the likeness of men. In other words, he's saying, now listen, you know, don't get me wrong here. It's not like he had a sin nature like we had a sin nature, but he was fully human, just like us. Just like us. In fact, perfect Humanity. Completely God. Being in the form. In fact, the word form, I was looking in my notes for the definition of that because it's rather helpful. A correspondence with reality. What, what God is, Je- what Jesus is, is corresponding to who God is. What God is because he is God. He's equal with the Father, with the, with the Spirit as being God. He did not take anything from the Father's glory because he shared the Father's glory from the very beginning. Think of this a biblical logic here God alone is worshiped. In the Gospels, Jesus, John 9, received worship. In heaven, Jesus is currently receiving worship. So either he is God or idolatry is taking place in heaven. I submit to you on the authority of the Word of God, He is indeed God. And this passage is burying that out. So look at it again, who being in the form of God. Now we gotta get this here, I realize, you know, some of this can be kind of tedious, but we gotta get it uh, because if you don't, you'll be blown away by, by false doctrine because Mormonism and Jehovah's Witnesses say that he is a God, but not He is, that he is God. But I'm telling you, friend, they don't jive with what the scripture says here. Who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Thought it not robbery, what does that mean? There's a lot of discussion about a lot of these parts the verses thought it not robbery. In other words, he wasn't taking anything away from, from uh, the Father by being God, because that's actually who He was. It it wasn't robbery. Okay, so let, let me. I thought about this illustration. Let's say that you uh, you take your car and you're going to have it serviced. You're going to have it worked on, but you forgot something, you know, in the in the car. Maybe you know your charger or something like that. So you got to go back to to the uh, to the, the place where you're going to have it worked on the shop, and there your car is sitting out front. You've got an extra spare key, so you go up to your car and you open up your car door and you get your charger out of your car and you walk away with it. Was that robbery? No, it wasn't robbery. Why? Because it was your car in the first place and it was your charger in the first place. Now, if some guy off the street breaks the glass and grabs your charger, then that's robbery. Okay. So for Jesus to claim to be God, like the Pharisees picked up on that he did, they, they understood that he claimed to be God. For Jesus to say, I am my father and one. For Jesus to say, the, the glory that I've shared with you since the beginning I mean before time was. For him to make those statements is not taking anything away from God because he rightfully belongs to him. Amen. Amen. Deity rightfully belongs to him. He's not taking anything that doesn't belong to him in saying his deity. So who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Those are parallel. Form of God, equal with God is saying Jesus is none other than God. Amen. 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 Yep. So we could say this. The highest. Notice what he did in verse number seven. but made himself of no reputation. What does that mean? Well, it literally, the word is this. He emptied himself. He emptied himself. Now, what, is, what does empty himself mean? Well, let me just say, tell you what it doesn't mean. I know most of you know this, of course. but It doesn't mean that he emptied himself of his deity. You know, Charles Wesley's song, uh, Emptied Himself of All But Love... I'm, I'm going to give Mr. Wesley the benefit of the doubt that what he's saying there is that his motivation was strictly love. I don't think Charles Wesley thought that he relinquished his deity. Now, I don't know. Somebody might be able to tell me, oh, yes, he did. But I don't think that was the case. So songs aren't inspired. Sometimes you have to explain them. But the fact that he emptied himself, that he made himself of no reputation. That's the idea. He made himself of no reputation. He poured himself out. Okay, so watch this. I take this water from this pitcher and I pour it into this cup. It's still water. Okay? Still water. It's water in here and it's water here. It's just in a different container. In other words, when Jesus left heaven and he came to earth and he took up this container, this vessel, this, uh, um, this body, this flesh, the essence is still the same. He's still God. He's just in a different container. And what's so wonderful about this now is that now that he has taken that form and now he's in a glorified body, but we'll be able to see him as he is. So, but when he became man, he did not become any less God. It was not the subtraction of deity. It was rather this, the addition of humanity. So he made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant. Okay, so became very lowly. He became the form of a servant And so we're in verse number seven still. He took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. Now we've already somewhat dealt with that verse. It's not saying that he had a sin nature in any wise like you and I do, but it's just simply saying he was made in the likeness of men. And so he became a man, very much man, very man. And verse number eight, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death. Now, pause and think about that. The one who created all of us, created all of mankind, and all that is, humbled himself. First of all, it's kind of like this. He humbled himself to become a man. That alone is humbling, given who he is, that he's God. Talking about coming down on our level, that the creator took on humanity and sweat and worked and dealt with abuse and was misunderstood and was misrepresented and was hated and was loved, but then neglected. I mean, he went through all these emotions like you and I would have. He became a man and then, but he, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death. The fact that God allowed himself, his life to be taken. I'm telling you, friend, listen, that is, that is humbling that he did that for us. But it wasn't just a, a natural death like he lived here for 80 years. But no, but, but the span of his life being shortened as he was taken, not just in any death, but a very cruel form of death. In fact, the Romans wouldn't even crucify Romans. The, the wrong, crucifixion was reserved for slaves and it was re- reserved for insurrectionists and it was reserved for, for, for those that were the lowest rung of society and yet the one who was the highest, the one who was the greatest, uh, the one who was the supreme, I'm talking about Christ, very God, humbled himself to be a man, humbled himself to die and humbled himself to be crucified by his own creation. And Paul is saying this to this church, listen, here you are acting evidently so vain and full of glory and you're fighting one another and you won't humble yourself and you want the glory, you want the prestige, you want the position, you think others are being treated better than you are, you're in in an argument with this person and with that one and he's saying, listen, your Savior, let me remind remind you, he humbled himself to become a man and he humbled himself to become obedient to death and he humbled himself to be obedient even to the point of death by crucifixion the fiction now why are you so self-centered Paul is saying we've got no grounds to be self-centered right. given the example we have in Christ who thought not of his own self but of others who esteemed not him own se- his own self but esteemed or valued you and valued you and valued you and valued others he did that for others so Paul is saying listen you need to get your mind off yourself. Because you may have a high view of, Christi- of Christology. But right now you've got a very low version of Christianity. Well, I don't think they deserve to be forgiven. Hmm. Weren't you glad God doesn't treat us that way? Let me ask this here tonight. If the highest could take the lowest position possible, surely you could humble yourself to serve each other, to forgive each other, to be involved in ministry. I think we all agree we need to apply verses 1 through 4. But we're not going to apply verses 1 through 4 if we don't have the mindset of verses 5 through 8. Let me run a few questions by you here tonight. Do you have that mindset, that mindset of Christ, the mind of Christ? Do you treat others more important than yourself? Hey, uh, um, I think we're all guilty right here. I tend to think of myself first. And I'm sure that uh, others do as well. I just thought about Brother Darren not wanting to hurt that pulpit. Are you interested in only that which interests you? Are you concerned with the concern of others? I mean, if a police officer is willing to get out of his vehicle and help push, you say, well, he gets paid to do that. Well, I mean, he, he's got a position, but he's using it to help others. The guy at the gas pump just jumped out to come over. You say, well, why, why didn't you help? Well, I had to preach a sermon tonight, don't you know? <laughs> I realize, hey, you're not always in a position to do something at all times. Are you following me? But all of us, None of us ought to be at a place where we feel like we're above doing something because of my position. Well, well, well. You got a title. You got a position. We're supposed to, we're supposed to use it to serve the Lord by serving others. You put others first. Are you willing to pour yourself out? Is that a good question in light of the passage? He poured himself out. He made of himself of no reputation. I think we're too concerned about our reputation quite often. Jesus didn't come to take, he came to give. The consumer mentality has greatly damaged churches. Too many churches are filled with customers rather than committed followers of Christ. And I'm preaching that here because we're in the same danger that we could become customers like we expect things to be done this way. And we want to do things excellent. I'm not saying that we scale back, scale down anyway. I think we, we only want to serve and pour ourselves into it more. But, but um, how about we come to church not with, what can I get out of this? What's in it for my family? What's in it for me? What's in it for us? Rather, how about we come to church saying, I wonder who I could help serve today. I wonder who I could encourage today. I wonder who I could uh, pray with tonight. Afraid there can be too many lords and not enough servants. There's a danger that we could think, I'm not going to be in submission to that. Uh, How about this? He was obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. I mean, the word obedient means this, he was in submission. But some believers have a hard time submitting to the standards of a church or submitting to the way things are done. You know, and I, I, I listen, to, I'm, not, I'm not on a power trip here. Please don't misunderstand me. But what hap, whatever happened to saying, you know, I'm going to set aside my thoughts and we're going to be one mind here. And, and we, don't, we don't have a problem in that sense that I know of where somebody's saying, well, I want this kind of music to be done or this kind of whatever, whatever, whatever. Uh, but that type of thought is rather divisive. And I'd rather just kind of head that off before it ever becomes an issue. By us being of one mind, one heart, saying, you know, let's move forward here. Let's not... Does that make sense? Christ and the work of the gospel are too important to give into bickering. Do you consider yourself in any way to be above serving in any way? I'm just simply saying that those with a high view of Christ ought to exercise a matching version of Christianity. So, let somebody in front of you at Walmart that has less or a heavier load than what you have. Help somebody move in. Even in the August heat. resident assistants we have rAs here tonight you're going to be a servant Amen. serve others sunday school teachers workers you're going to be a servant you know how you can serve it can be as simple as this get on their doorstep knock on the door and say hey i'm your sunday school teacher i mean they they need to see you outside of the classroom that's a way of serving them and saying, hey, you're really important here. I'm so glad you're coming to Sunday school and church. Maybe throw a ball with them or shoot ball with them or, or um, if you're a lady teaching young ladies classes, then, then talk about things that ladies talk about. Shoes and stuff. Um, give somebody a good handshake and say, hey, I'm really glad to see you. Amen. Uh, sometimes somebody needs a hug. Now I'm going to recommend ladies, hug ladies. Men, give man a, a man hug. Right. Yeah. Amen. We're going to distinguish that one, right? A man hug. Something that sounds manly. Work a bus route. You say, well, the students are back. Kids, kids uh, need more than just students loving on them. Yeah, but man, that's a lot of commitment. It, it is. And I'm not saying everybody ought to be in the bus ministry, of course. I think everybody ought to be willing to be in the bus ministry. Including me. You know, I'd, in fact, I'd love to work her out, but I probably ought to be out there greeting, you know, I'd like to drive a bus. I only had three accidents. It's going to be bad. Hit the fence out here, Hit the fence at Heartland. As long as I'm not around fences, I do OK. Hit the OGE guy that was parked outside the fence. I mean, you know, just other than that, doing pretty good. Being willing. Um, maybe husbands, you can help your wife sweep the kitchen or do the dishes or run the vacuum or, or um, stuff. <laughs> new dads, we got some new dads here. Help with the crying baby. Step one, wake up while said baby's crying. Man, I was bad about that. I'm guilty right there. I'm not leading you by example on that one, all right? Sleep right through it. Amen. <laughs> the young and healthy, helping the elderly. You know, there, there's a lot of elderly people at Southwest Baptist Church that would absolutely love a visit from a young person, People. Maybe even this fall, helping them with some of their leaves or something like that. I mean, just some practical ways. How can I serve? Getting involved. Older generation, taking some time to get investing or investing in a younger generation. Um, Spending some time with them. That's how they'll learn how to be an old person. By being around some older people. Uh, Young people. I love the way that I believe his brother... Well, I believe it was Brother Park and Brother, Brother uh, Tyler Prayer both. They, um, they preached on, include those young people that are kind of ostracized. You know, that aren't real popular. Sitting off by themselves, you know. that need somebody just to be their friend. They're awkward as all get out. You don't even realize how awkward you are anyways, but they're awkward. And you can help them. I mean, come on, we're all awkward. But there are some that are especially touched with awkwardness. <laughs> right? And they feel it. They sense it. Well, what can you do? Well, sit with them when nobody else will. But you say, oh man, but if I do that, all my friends are going to think that I'm not cool. Is that a new revelation <laughs> to you? <laughs> Okay, I'm supposed to be kind. I'm preaching on being kind and caring. But I'm just saying, um, we don't need to have the attitude like, I'm above that. I'm above that. No. We need to come down. And come down. and Come down. If He was obedient to the cross, surely we should be obedient to taking up our cross. And following Him. Because otherwise we're just consumers. We're not committed disciples. But He is worthy of the true biblical version of what it means to be Christ-like. And when you read the Gospels, friend, I'll end with this. When you read the Gospels, you cannot help but notice how that Jesus cared Amen. for people. Yeah. Amen. Of all types. The spectrum of the religious like Nicodemus to the harlots. He treated people the same. He loved them all. May God help us to think about somebody other than ourselves, Namely, others. God help us to think of others. Let's stand together here tonight. There's some way that God would have you to pour your life out in serving others. What does that look like? What does that look like? How could you serve others? It's going to take effort. It's going to take sacrifice. In fact, true biblical Christianity is going to cost you something. If it's not costing you anything, then you're not truly living the Christian life. It's easy for us, and so we look for ease and comfort, coasting but he's not called us to do that, he's called us to think of others. Lord, you said in your word right here that we're to not think of our own selves, but we're to set our minds on others. Lord, would you help us deliver us from selfishness that would be binding, that would be stifling, that would cause a backup of traffic, so to speak, even in a local church where something could be done if somebody would do something to help. I pray that you'd help us, dear Lord, to keep things moving to keep things moving by following our dear Savior and humbly serving one another. I pray for your help to do that now, Lord. I pray that you'd help us not to be hearers of the Word and not doers. Help us to find some practical ways in which we may serve. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Page 254 tonight. Let's sing some verses of invitation. How about we just respond to the Lord here this evening. You may want to come and, and ask the Lord to help you to think of others. And maybe even to come and pray for somebody that God has put on your heart. As Brother Aaron leads us on this first verse, would you come as we sing?